Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, uh, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. If you would be opening your Bibles to Leviticus, the 19th chapter, in just a moment, we'll begin there. Kurt, it is great to see you here tonight, brother. Uh, we are glad to see that you're able to be out and, and about a little bit now and glad, glad you're able to get out of the home that you're living in and be out. Our kids have arrived safely to camp. Let's continue to be praying for them. And uh, we know that great things oftentimes happen the week of camp in the lives of our young people. And we hope that it will be a time of spiritual transformation, a lot of spiritual growth. Do keep in mind the members of our church family that are going through some pretty serious surgeries this week in serious times. And let's be encouraging them and especially be praying for them and just to help them in every way that we can. Like many of you, my life has been affected from the very first day of my existence on this earth by covenants. I was blessed to be born to a mother and a father who had already, long before my birth, had entered into a covenant relationship first with God, but then they'd entered into a covenant relationship with each other. And that covenant of marriage that first was prefaced by a commitment to God. Now that I'm old enough to understand this and appreciate it, I can look back and, and I can honestly say that their commitment to those covenants, the fact that they were covenant people has made all the difference in my life. Tonight, I want to encourage you to think about your relationship with God even though that's not the exact focus that we're about to go in a minute because we're about to drop back and look at Israel again. But as we look at Israel, I want you to look at them as an example. We learned that all these things were written for our learning. And so as we study a little bit more about Israel tonight and, and the covenant that God established with them and, and the promises that he made and, and the conditions that he placed upon them, and think about our lives. And think about how different in a really wonderful way, our lives are when we trust God and when we live by the covenant that he has offered to us through his son, Jesus, as we studied this morning. Last Sunday morning, though, we, we looked, at least for a little while, at the topic of the covenant that God made with Israel as they had just been out about three months out of the Egyptian slavery They'd already experienced a lot of provisions by God, but then God does a marvelous thing. God makes a covenant with them. We studied that, but I want us to go back this week and I want us to do two things. I want us to see the promises that he made to them. And you know, almost every time I've said that in the last several weeks that we've studied covenants, I've said to you that covenant is so much more than just a promise. But then I've said, but they do contain promises. And so for just a few minutes tonight, let's just pause and let's look. If God were going to make, and he did, a covenant with Israel, what would some of the promises be that he would say, I tell you what, this is my end of the agreement. This is what I will do for you if you choose to remain in this covenant relationship. 
A lot of the passages that we'll look at tonight will not be on the screen. The reference will be, but, and so if you've got your Bible, open up. And uh, I'd like to begin by reading uh, three of these. And we're going to read them in Leviticus, the 19th chapter, verse 3, 4, and 5. And then we'll see a list of them in just a minute. But Leviticus, the 19th chapter, if you need to jog your memory of where we are, remember that the Ten Commandments, God spoke them. And did I say Leviticus? Turn to Exodus. And... When I was about to say, God spoke the Ten Commandments in Leviticus 20. I thought, that doesn't sound right. Uh, he spoke them in Exodus 20. And so we're, we're just the chapter before this. This is the setup for this. And, and so let's look. He, he calls Moses. And of course, Moses is going to talk to the people. Here we go. We're in Exodus, the 19th chapter. Look at verse 3. Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. See, we've been looking this year how God, his, his marvelous works prove who he is and helps us see who he is. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if, it's conditional covenant, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant keep my covenant, then, if then, so here's the promises, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, another promise, and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. When we see what he's saying here, first notice that promise in verse five where he says, you'll be a special treasure. Now we mentioned this this morning and so I'll mention it just very quickly, but it's the idea that God is saying, I put great value on you. And in this covenant relationship, you know, the idea also of covenant is that treaty, it's that compact that says, I, I wanna draw closer to you. And so he, he's entering in this covenant relationship to say, I want to be close to you and I want to lead you. Remember, covenants always work toward the future. And, and I want to lead you into this wonderful future with me and, and I'm going to treasure you. I'm not going to bring you into this and, and, and treat you second rate. I'm not going to bring you into this and, and be apathetic towards you. I treasure you. Anything that we place high value upon, we, we guard it and we appreciate it. And so Israel had the opportunity to be in a covenant relationship with Almighty God. Almighty God would treasure them above other peoples on this earth. But did you notice the second thing there in verse 6 where he says, you'll be a kingdom of priests. Now that doesn't mean that the Levitical priesthood would, would no longer have a place. But it is the idea that priests had special access to God. Priests could come into a close proximity of God that the average Israelite could not do. Now for just a moment, think of Israel as a nation. Israel in this covenant relationship were going to be invited to come into a closer proximity with God than other nations. They were going to have that opportunity, if you will, to fellowship with God in a covenant relationship. 
If I told you that I was in a, in a, a, a covenant business type relationship with Marcus Mariota, a, a lot of you Titans fans afterwards, you'd be like, really? Really? What, what? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, you know, part of our business agreement is we get together every, every Monday and I go to his house one Monday and he comes to my house and, and we work out some things in here. And, and a lot of you that, that are Titans fans, you would want to know a lot more. You're going to be like, well, what's he like? What, what's it? What's his house like? What was it? And I would just pause right now and say, why do you want to know that? Because it's intriguing when someone has a close relationship with someone you so maybe greatly admire. Pause on Israel for just a minute and bring this over to you and I in the new covenant. Does it mean something to you that you're invited into a covenant relationship through Jesus Christ? God wants to be close to you. God loves you and wants you to belong to him. He wants you to be his own special people. In this sense, he wants you to be kingdom of priests type of people. He wants you to have close access. And that's not something to take lightly. How horrible would it be tonight if we could say that and it not really stir your attention, but we could say you can be close to an NFL quarterback and you get all fired up. Now that'd be really messed up priorities, wouldn't it? It's how beautiful the covenant relationship. God, what are you going to promise Israel? He says, I want to promise them that they can be a kingdom of priests. That was a great promise. Notice the third thing that he said there in verse six. Uh, one was in five, two were in six. The third one that we have in, in verse six is be a holy nation. You remember the covenant that God made with Abram that is also being somewhat restated and fulfilled even in this covenant where God's going to make them a nation. He's going to give them a land and he's going to allow them to be a great nation because it's going to be a nation that God protects and it's going to be a nation that God provides for them. But I want you to notice here, out of all the words of description he could have used like great nation or protected nation, what did he use? Holy. What if Israel follows God's covenant, what are they going to be? Holy. Think about new covenant. What if we followed Christ's covenant? What, what kind of people would we be? We would be a holy people. Well, what happened if Israel didn't follow the covenant? And at times they didn't. And you know what happened every time they didn't follow God's covenant? They stopped being holy people. There's not anybody here that's arrived spiritually. You know, Paul said, I'm not yet attained. How do we stay on track? How do we keep our eyes on Christ, the, the author of our covenant? A part of that holiness comes by following Christ. We stop living under that submissive covenant relationship and we lose holiness every time. There were two other things, really a lot others probably, but just two others that we'll mention tonight that he promised them. Flip over, if you will, to the 23rd chapter. In the 23rd chapter, in verse 22, I want you to see that, that God promised that he was going to defend them. You remember he, he gave them in Exodus 23, 
You remember he gave them the 10 commandments in the 20th chapter. And we mentioned this a little bit last Sunday morning. And then down through the end of the 23rd chapter, he gave a lot of other details of the covenant. And if you want to glance at it in, in the 24th chapter in verse seven, when Moses had written all these things down, that that part of what has been written was called the book of the covenant. And so now if you drop back toward the end of 23, there are things that are contained in this book of covenant. And I'd like for you to notice, especially what he says in 22 to them in this book of covenant. He says, but if you indeed, see now it's still conditional. If you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Your enemies become my enemies, God says. It's kind of like big brother language where the big brother steps in front of the little brother and says, if you're going to come to him, you got to come to him through me. And the idea is you're not getting through me. Now, that's noble of a big brother to want to protect his little brother. But there's some big brothers that they do come through them and they reach him. But in this covenant relationship, God's not going to let them through. Now, we know that, that under this new covenant, there's not an earthly territory. And so God is not guarding a certain territory of land and saying, that's my covenant land. But spiritually speaking, spiritually, he does guard his kingdom, which is the territory is in our hearts. And so people that are part of this kingdom, they're part of this covenant. God says, I'll protect you. Yesterday, I sat down at the funeral home beside a mother who was burying her daughter. In just a few months, this mother will be 97 years old. And no matter how long you live, it's never natural to bury your, your children. And she spoke very sweetly, very kindly. And we visited a little bit and I took a few steps off and I visited someone else and I looked back over at her and she started crying in her hands. And so I went back over and I, I sat next to her and I just said something like, it's hard, isn't it? She nodded. I said, you know, that God will help you through this some way. He'll help you through this. And she lifted her hands up and she said, I know my God will not put more upon me than what I can stand. She knew that her God would stand against her enemies and not let more come upon her than she could stand. Now, you know, she was pulling from Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10 that are part of the new covenant a part of the promises that God makes. When I looked at her and, and I, I saw her faith that is so strong after so many years, I have to admire covenant people like her. Individuals that love God and they persevere through the difficult days realizing that God takes care of their enemies. 
I'd like for you to see a fourth thing, a fifth thing. And the fifth thing, let's go on a little bit deeper into Exodus. Let's go to the 34th chapter in verse six. And this is a characteristic that oftentimes uh, individuals, they do not give God uh, credit for this. And as a matter of fact, they oftentimes will just flat out tell something that's not so about God. Oftentimes individuals will say things like, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament just had no mercy. He had no grace. Well, it's true that we see, remember John 1, the fullness of grace in the New Testament because Jesus, God incarnated, came to earth and for the first time on earth, we saw the fullness of grace. But just because under the old covenant, we don't see the fullness of grace, it's very foolish to say that there's no grace. That in other words, God was not merciful. You remember that once the covenant was made with Israel, it didn't take them very long, just Moses being up on the mountain for those 40 days, that they already violated the first portion of the 10 commandments by making a golden calf. And so Moses comes down and, and he's furious. He breaks the tablets. God is furious. 3,000 men are, are given the death sentence. And, and so there's a point where it looks like that God just might want to give up on them. But he doesn't. And I want you to notice how it is described, how he's willing to go back and to speak that covenant again to them. And that covenant, we have read in this short series we've been doing, we've read the 34th chapter, verse 10, that is just a beautiful, powerful verse that he makes this covenant with them again. But I'd like for you to drop back and read verse 6 and 7 with me tonight. We're in Exodus, the 34th chapter, verse 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Wait a minute, is this Old Testament? I must be reading the wrong covenant. The Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions of sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. God, are you still gonna hold people accountable for sin? Absolutely, but God, do you have any graciousness and mercifulness? Yes, absolutely. That's why, in other words, I'm still patient with you today, he's saying to Israel. Look at my graciousness. You remember the passage we looked at this morning, Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Remember the, the old covenant. Even though the individuals could not look forward and understand this, does not change the fact that, of course, God could look forward and completely understand this. Look what he says in, in Hebrews 9 and verse 15. And for this reason, he, talking about Jesus, is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Just for emphasis sake, let me ask you this. You think God knew that was gonna happen all the way back when he was speaking to Israel? How could he speak to Israel and promise so much graciousness, so much mercy? If they would just enter into this covenant with God, God knew that this covenant was going to lead to Christ. Christ was going to bring a new covenant, but Christ's death, the blood was not only going to flow forward, but the blood was going to reach back and save those that had sinned their transgressions under the first covenant. God knew that. And so God had no problem 
seeing the grace and the mercy that could be extended even to those under the old covenant because he knew the source of that was going to be Christ's blood that would be shed also to purchase the new covenant. Can we go back one slide? I want to ask you to turn to 1 Peter. And as we're turning there, I want you to glance though at this slide real quick. And I want you to see, you remember how the old covenant was a foreshadow in many ways of things to come? And, and that's Hebrews type language, but it's a foreshadow of things to come. And think about how there are so many similarities under the old covenant when we look at how God's promises were so loving, so gracious. God wanted his people close to him. He wanted to protect them. He, he wanted to offer them a great future. And, and please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to confuse God's old covenant and new covenant. I'm trying to do that. I'm just showing you God's nature and his covenant relationships with his people. And so just keep this in mind, like a special treasure, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Your enemies will be my enemies. And I want to be gracious and merciful to you. Now let's read a passage in 1 Peter, the second chapter. And this is new covenant language, but notice how similar it is what God is wanting to accomplish with his people. Here's some of the promises. Here's some of the beautiful parts of the new covenant. 1 Peter 2 and 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He's talking about those that are in covenant relationship with Christ, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have attained mercy. Isn't that beautiful? These are still the promises that God wants us close. He wants us near. He wants to protect us against enemies. He truly wants to provide mercy and grace. Now, as we bring this lesson to a close, I just want to show you a reminder that these promises for Israel came with a condition you remember what we read just a moment ago in Exodus, the 19th chapter in verse five? It was if they obeyed. And then also in the very next chapter in Exodus 20 in the 10 commandments, in verse six, we read, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. And then when we go over to Numbers, the 14th chapter, you remember this was the occasion where the spies were sent out and 10 gave the wicked report and the children of Israel decided to believe those wicked spies or at least the spies report that was a wicked report instead of believing and trusting God. And this is how Numbers the 14th chapter verse 11 reads, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? 
with all the signs which I have performed among them. You see, his idea here is, why can they not trust me? They had seen the 10 plagues. They'd seen how God had, had with plagues just manhandled the most powerful nation on earth. They saw how God divided the Red Sea and let it collapse on the soldiers, destroying them. They had seen God make the provisions day in and day out for them. They had seen how, how God's fury came down upon them when they disobeyed the law and 3,000 of them were executed. And now it comes down to this. 10 men say, let me tell you what I've seen. And God says, let me tell you what I'll do. And the two reports are conflicting. And God makes it real clear to Israel. If you want to remain faithful in this covenant with me, you're going to believe me and not the people. You're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, it's easy for us to stand here tonight and say, can you believe Israel? How, how could they do that? But you think how often you and I struggle with the very same thing, where by sight, it just doesn't seem to make sense to do what God is asking us to do by faith. If you went out this week and you lived every aspect of your life solely on faith, How different would your life be? And if you haven't been doing that, why not? And we know the answer, why not? Every one of us can put our hands up and say, well, I know the answer. That, we don't do it because when it comes right down to it, we don't trust God. There's just times where by our eyes, it just seems like the right and the best thing to do is not what God is saying to do. And it becomes this trust issue. And so this right here is the groundwork of where we're gonna go over the next week or two. I don't know if you keep up with our little calendars or not. But you know, this month we're gonna be studying the marvel of God's rest. And people that walk faithfully in a covenant relationship with God have a rest. They have a peace like nobody else. And so this will be the beginning of the next sermon. But the children of Israel at this very point, they stopped believing God. And their rest was destroyed. And that adult generation never entered in to the land of rest. Tonight, I don't know exactly what your takeaway is going to be from a study of God's word.
But I hope one thing you'll really take with you and, and meditate upon and, and nurture in your heart is how blessed we are that God truly longs for a covenant relationship with us. God wants to be close to you. But you have to want to be close to God. And we'll sing a song of encouragement. If there's anything we can do to help you take steps closer to God. If you're ready tonight to become a Christian and be immersed into Christ for the mission of your sins, we'd love to help you take that big, great move. Maybe you've let sin separate you from God and you need to take steps back and you're ready to repent and confess and let's pray about it. And, but whatever it is in your life, let's make sure that we all leave here tonight loving the fact that God loves us. Nobody loves you like God does. Nobody. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. God wants to be close to you. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.